0: up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football, and NFL Draft Podcast. It's Wednesday morning. That means you get me, Matt Miller, and my boy, Connor Rogers. And before we get into the football stuff, from Connor, Mellow, Whiskey Dan, and myself, we want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, uh, you're getting wherever you're going safely. And hey, this hey, uh, Thanksgiving, to me, Connor, is not only a great, like, let's just eat and be gluttonous holiday, but I know we're going to be driving a ton, so hopefully people find this podcast uh, entertaining, uh, informative, and that for at least an hour while you have to drive to your in-laws, you can be in a good mood because you're listening to us.
1: <laughs> that's how I feel when it comes down to it. I mean, this is something that you know listen to while you're on the long commute to go see family, whether that's driving, public transit, flying. Uh, guess what? I get to do all three of those in the next three days, so I am oh God. very excited for the holiday. But <laughs> seriously, we do have a lot to be thankful for, and. One of those things is the tailgate tour. And, and if you guys have been listening or following on Twitter, you know that we're about to have the biggest one yet at Ohio State in Columbus. Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan. We got the giant RV. Matt is pulling it into town. Two bathrooms, two bars, three giant TVs, Xbox, uh, plenty of natty, beer pong, cornhole, <laughs> you name it. It's gonna be an absolute bash in the gray lot, the RV lot in Columbus. So Please come by. All you have to do is bring yourself and as many people possible. You can If you get there early. You can come on the podcast. If you get there late, we're still going to have plenty of beer and food. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait,
0: Matt. Yeah, I can't either, man. And you, you summed it up perfectly. I, I had all this information ready to go and you just nailed it. We are going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be there bright and early. The lot opens at 5 a.m. We're going to do our best to be there setting up oh, yeah. at 5 a.m. And we're going to be there for the long haul. We are not going into the game. The tickets to this game, frankly, are ridiculous. And Ohio State hates me, so they would not credential yes. all five of us Can't to the press it. box. Let's just be honest about it. They said no. So we're just going to kind of, in defiance of them, sit out in their parking lot and have fun. We are going to be watching the game. We have a 70-inch TV and a 260-inch TV. So not only will we have Ohio State-Michigan on, we can have other games on. Hell, y'all could take one well the TVs and have an Xbox tournament. Yep. I don't care what you do with it. We will be there to have fun. Some of the questions I've been getting, uh, one person asked, is there a cover charge? There is not. If we had thought about it in advance, maybe. But there's not. <laughs> it. So it's free. Come on by. You don't have to have a ticket to the game. You don't have to stay the whole time. Like you can come hang out for 30 minutes. That That's cool. If you want to come and watch us record the podcast and get your question on, or we'll actually hand you a microphone, you can ask your question. We're going to try to record it about 10 o'clock In the morning, uh, that way you can come listen to the podcast and then get into the game if you need to. So 10 o'clock Saturday morning is when we're going to aim to record the podcast. Things could could sometimes get out of control. (laughs) uh, Yeah, but 10 o'clock is tentatively when we're going to record. It it is going to be a blast and hopefully everybody stops by. Uh, And if you can't make it before the game, maybe walk by after the game. I got a feeling we're still going to be there. Uh, Like Connor said, it's going to be so much fun. A lot of fun as we're sitting here Tuesday morning. uh, We all went and watched here in the the Joplin office. We went and watched Rams Chiefs last night. It's a game that for this area is still very important. There's still a lot of Rams fans around here. And obviously there's a ton of Chiefs fans. I I bet. I don't know if I told you this, Connor. I bet on the over. I kind of got back into betting a little bit. The over was set. They were like, it's historic. It's a 63 point over. It's the highest ever. And they ended up scoring (laughs) Over 100 points last night. I I mean, it's wild. I've never seen a game like this where you just felt like it was truly like whoever had the ball last with enough time was going to score. The Chiefs get the ball back with like 40 seconds left and almost got the job done. I think one of the big stories is obviously the Rams being able to score 54 points, but the Pat Mahomes did have five turnovers, three interceptions, two fumbles.
1: It was the first time I've ever seen him rattled, and he still scored six times. it was absurd. Him and Jared Goff. I mean, this was the perfect example of the future of this league with excellent, excellent quarterback play. And I was telling, I did a, a couple of different radio spots this week, and I said, don't tell me what the over is, just smash it. I never even looked at it for this game, but I told everyone to take it because it was that obvious when you look at these offenses. And honestly, there was weak points of both defenses, and they made big plays. In this game, Aaron Donald is the perfect example of a guy you pay whatever. I, when it comes down to all summer, we heard the drama about him and Khalil Mack with contracts. Guess what? Those guys are worth every top dollar. They're not guys that are going to check out. They've only gotten better this year, Matt. That's what's so crazy when I look at this. It, what was so exciting about this game from a draft perspective is you look at the players that had a big impact. Yes, Goff and Mahomes are quarterbacks that not only went in the first round, early in the first round, being a number one overall pick, obviously Mahomes being a top 10 pick. Those teams traded up for those players. They prioritized those players. There were value picks that had a huge impact on this game when it comes down to it. You look at a guy like Josh Reynolds, who had to fill in as Cooper Cup is now out for the season. He's a fourth round pick. Reynolds fills in, six catches, 80 yards, a huge touchdown. Gerald Everett, third-round tight end, three catches, 49 yards, two touchdowns. This is, And then you go to the side of the Chiefs, whether it's Kareem Hunt, who we talk about on this show all the time. I've said that it's impossible to really support Tyreek Hill, but, I mean, these are all picks that were late picks that have absolutely stepped in and and killed it for both teams. And it goes to show you, having a coach in place that can work with the GM— to fit players into his scheme dramatically increases your chances of finding successful drafts, not in the first round, but beyond it on day two and early day three.
0: Yeah, for the Chiefs, the only on offense, the only first rounder that really was an impact was Mahomes. Tyree Kill was a day three pick. Travis Kelsey was a third rounder. Chris Conley was a third rounder. Cream Hunt was a third rounder. So it does go to show how important like good drafting is. For the Rams, they've almost bought this team a little bit. I mean, obviously they drafted Gurley and Goff, and and that was but that was a different regime. You know, Brandon Cooks last night eight for one hundred and seven. He's the guy you bring in, uh, not through the draft. Robert Woods, a free agent that you sign. Like those guys have also been hugely important. And I I think it underscores the fact of I, I love Aaron Rodgers as a player. I think I think he's just amazing to watch. But people have to realize that at some point his contract is going to hurt you because. You're not going to be able to do what the Rams have done and go buy a team. You're going to have to draft exceptionally well when you basically anytime you have a quarterback on a second contract. There's so much pressure on the front office to just become good at drafting players. And I think that's what we're going to have to see with the Rams. Can they continue to find guys through the draft like Cooper Cup, yep. who can be major contributors, Tyler like Higby. Gerald Everett. Tyler Higby's been great, but like they have some issues on defense. Obviously, they allowed 51 points last night, where <laughs> they're going to have to like plug some of these holes on defense with guys that they draft. They can't just keep trading away picks for players. At some point, you have to be homegrown. And I, I think that's one reason why, over the next five years, these could be two of the best teams in the NFL. I feel better about the Chiefs over the next 5 years than I do the Rams. And I spare me the you're a Missouri homer bullshit. I'm a 49ers fan, okay? I'm not <laughs> yeah. a Chiefs fan. I became a Niners fan because all my friends were Chiefs fans in elementary school and I wanted to be different. So, I'm not a Chiefs fan. But I do feel better about them because Brett Veach and Andy Reid have shown that they can draft well together. Like Veach can find the right talent for Andy's system and properly value players like the 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 second round guys Breland speaks and and Tano passing we haven't seen a huge impact from them yet but so far at least it looks like they're going to be able to draft a little bit better than what we've seen so far from the Rams
1: and I think this is a good time to remind everyone in case they forgot Sean McVay is 32 years old (laughs) 32 years old he might be my favorite not just coach in the NFL favorite person in the NFL because he's probably the most brilliant young offensive mind and Kyle Shanahan's in that conversation out of these young offensive coaches, but he's so good with in game situations. And that's why he's now 20 and seven in his career, 20. That's crazy. I mean, it's insane. And him and Les Snead have worked very well together to build this team to win right now. Cause you said it, Matt there there's players that are going to be gone after this year and they're going to have to find a way to fill those holes. But the Rams know they can win a Super Bowl this year, and they've done everything to go do that. And I believe Sean McVay is a guy that, at 32 years old, gives you that chance to do so. One last thing about this game. I mean, good for Jared Goff, because oh, he yeah. went from year one, he's a bust. And it actually bothered me, and I, I, know I really like him, but uh, Booger McFarlane, who's been on the show, I do think he's very good at his job. He said, "Everybody said year one, Jared Goff was a bust. Not everybody. But Not everyone said that. Okay, and, and I will. We don't really gloat on this show. One thing we will always gloat about is sticking by Jared Goff, who I think is, and same for you, one of our highest graded quarterbacks of the last half decade. Yeah. Year one, the narrative was he's a bust. Year two, the narrative was he's a system quarterback. What is he now?
0: He's really an MVP candidate. That's yeah. what he is.
1: He's one of the front runners to win the MVP because." He can make any throw. He was actually playing well on the move last night. I mean, and the same could yeah. be said for Mahomes. These are your MVP candidates, along with Drew Brees, who just had one of the best games I've ever seen from a quarterback this past weekend. But it's just interesting how narratives change in less than a three-year window about a prospect. Golf was almost
0: perfect last night. And I know, Nearly. like, I mean, not completion percentage, but just the way he played. And I mean, th- there were so many times where you're watching it and it's like, he, like you said, he did. He stepped up. He played outside the pocket. And he's not just this check down guy that, you know, is going to complete 70% of his passes, but they're all within five yards. Like he attacks the defense and he's doing it without his favorite weapon in Cooper Cup. Like, that's his dude. That's his go-to target. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Jared Goff definitely deserves a lot of MVP praise for me. And, and I got asked this last night where we were watching the game, who I thought MVP was. And that's why
1: I said it. it's Drew Brees or Jared Goff for me with our guy Mahomes probably pulling up in third. I mean, it's, it's hard not to agree with that. When you look at this race, they're really on historical paces in a sense. And last night, seeing them go head-to-head is something that I hope we get at least once a year for the next decade. All right, guys, we got a pretty nice surprise for you here. We have to update our top 10 mock draft because this order is all over the place, Matt. It is like, basically it's insane. We're, we're updating it because I'm a Niners fan. And
0: after the weekend, I was like, oh, hey, the Niners pick first. Let's do a mock draft. So yeah, it, this it, is just my one week to feel like we have a chance at the best player in the draft. The That's Jets, all this the Jets is.
1: are fourth. So uh, they're shockingly ahead of the New York Giants who have won like five games in the last two years. So when it comes down to it, th- this is a rare opportunity for both of us. And, and I think this is a fascinating top ten because Forget how volatile it is, the movement of it. There's a lot of perfect fits here, I think, with needs. As you could tell, I'm looking at the rundown right now. Me and Matt picked the same position for almost every team, but different players often. But one area we did not pick a different player, because you're insane if you do not put him number one to the San Francisco 49ers. It is who, Matt? Nick Bosa, baby. And I
0: cannot wait for the overthink of Nick Bosa, because you know it's coming. We're going to get to like late February, and people are going to be like, well, his his three-cone time wasn't very good, and he was hurt all year. Yeah, I don't care. He's the number one pick in this draft. I think he's a better prospect than his brother was. It is a slam dunk. If you have the number one pick in the draft this year, I don't care if it's the Niners, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Jets, the Giants. I don't care who has it. Nick Bosa better be the pick. Go ahead and fill out the fucking card right now. (laughs) Get it ready for the commissioner. Because Nick is the number one pick.
1: Can he play the second half of this season? Just get him, a, you know, like an early enrollment at this <laughs> right. point for whoever yeah. takes the lead in this number Re-classify one
0: Reclassify like a high school basketball player and get your ass out there. The 49ers need a pass rush.
1: Man, He, I mean, he is well worthy of it. So that one, pretty simple. Number two here, the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going D-line. I'm going Ed Oliver. A- and yes, I'm aware of the sideline blowup, which I thought both parties were just in the wrong there. Thank you for saying that, by yeah, the way. I just I think Major was a complete asshole, number one, because you can ask him to take the jacket off. You don't start tearing at it on the sideline. It it just looked really ridiculous. And Oliver is a guy that knows the national spotlight is always on him now. You probably don't want to react that way, but I don't think it's going to impact his draft stock when teams dig into this. He's probably six foot six foot one, and he's probably 270 to 280 pounds. And nobody is Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald does succeed at that size. And I do think Oliver is another outlier that will succeed at that size because he wreaks havoc, whether it is shade nose, whether it is three tech, I do think he's going to play more on the outside at the next level. I just think this is an interior disruptor on a different level. And he's an explosive, explosive talent up front. And for the Cardinals, you're just you're just adding talent right now that's what you're doing would you love to maybe think about jonah williams here to protect protect josh rosen or a franchise wide receiver which i don't really think exists in this class right now yeah you would but you take the best player on the board here and for me that is ed oliver yeah i i love Ed oliver and and have for a couple
0: years now you know we've talked to some of his coaches and and not major but some of his other coaches and heard you know this guy's I mean, he's 20 years old. He's still a baby. And I, I do think that he handled that situation poorly, but I think Major did as well. And I say that as Major Applewhite, probably my favorite college football player of all time. I, I think he could have handled that situation a lot better. Uh, and, and like, you got to pick your battles sometimes. So the pick for me, though, is not Ed Oliver. It is my favorite interior defensive lineman for the 2019 draft class. That's Alabama's Quinn and Williams. Beast. This dude is exactly a beast. He is 6'4", probably 295 he's athletic and I, I've been talking to coaches at Alabama and they're like, listen, dude, like you, you see how good he is on film. He is better. Not like off the field. His character is going to be through the roof. He's a leader. He's a worker. Like this is one of those dudes that like he loves to lift. He loves to just be around his teammates. People gravitate toward him. So when you put what he's done on the field as only a red shirt sophomore and the the potential that he still has, and combine that with the fact that he's a special person as a teammate and a leader, I think that's what the Cardinals need. Like, you need someone on defense as Pat Pete gets older who is going to be your alpha, who's going to be a dog. I think Quentin Williams could be that guy and, and give them a foundation on defense where they miss so badly on Robert Kim D.J. and he's not been the guy they wanted him to be. Like, Quentin Williams could come in there and be a rock solid pass rusher, run defender, whatever you want up front.
1: I absolutely love it. I think when you look at Quinn and you, you really nailed two super important points, Matt, this is a young player and a young player that somehow is still growing into that body. I think he's going to get way stronger, which is insane. When you think about how he's been unblockable all year. Number two, he's the guy up front for that Alabama defense. It has not been Raquan Davis it, and Isaiah Bugs has really flashed in spurts and had a nice year, but it's Quinn and Williams and, and his rise this year has been astronomical and well-earned. So number three, this is a really important team because they got to start turning things around in this draft, in this offseason, after unloading two franchise players. The Oakland Raiders, three's a tough spot for them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You want to be number one and get Nick Bosa. You want to be number two and, and you know probably grab one of those D-line here. I thought about Quinnen Williams here. But I think with their need on the edge, I'm going to go with Cleveland Farrell. And, and I think, is he the player with the biggest upside or ceiling? No. But I like his floor. I like his ability. I think he's got the size they want on the edge. And he could simply get after the quarterback and become a 10-sack guy. Oakland needs help on the edge so badly. I think they hit on Maurice Hurst as long as he can stay on the field long term. Now go get a guy to play next to him, and that's Cleveland Farrell.
0: Yeah, I, you and Melo both really like Cleveland Farrell, and, and I just I've cooled on him this year, and I need to see. I think I need to see him bend a little bit more. Like at times, to me, he just comes off as like not bad coming around the edge, but just a little stiff. And obviously, he's still able to produce, but I, I don't. I want to see him as an athlete, and I know sometimes we talk about like ah the Senior Bowl or or, or the Combine are overrated, and you can get uh, you know almost biased because of what you see, but. For me, like that's what I need to see from him. I need to see how athletic he is before I feel comfortable saying, all right, this guy's gonna be able to bend and turn the corner uh, in the NFL. Now, at number three overall, I agree with you completely, buddy. The Raiders need a pass rush. And this is this is a bad spot for them. Like, honestly, if you're a three and you're Oakland, you might trade back and, and try to get even more picks. I know some people would be pissed about you gotta take a top-tier player while you're up there. But if you get stuck in this spot and we're not doing trades today, I would actually reach just a little bit and take Josh Allen from Kentucky. I think they, like you said, they need an athletic stand-up pass rusher that can also put his hand in the dirt. Josh Allen has proven he can do all those things at Kentucky. He is six foot five, two hundred sixty pounds, and he is a grown-ass man with great athleticism. He can he could play a coverage. I've seen him drop and cover tight ends. I've seen him line up in the slot. He, he could definitely take away the run. And he has been incredibly productive as a pass rusher. I mean, hell you could watch the South Carolina tape. You could watch the Mississippi state tape. Like this guy is all over the field, making plays. He's one of my favorite guys in the class. So maybe a little bit of a reach, but I think Josh Allen's one of those dudes that you bet on the upside. And the fact that as a senior, he's going to be able to come in and play right away, but you can still like make him a better player with some technique and, and things that he can learn. So I'm a big, big fan of his.
1: I mean, you're talking about a player that averages over a sack per game this season. It's just, it's ridiculous. You look at the production that he's put on film. He had 15 tackles last week, and I don't care if it was against Middle Tennessee. He does it against everyone in the SEC. So a really nice year for Josh Allen. I'm curious if he shows up to Mobile and just wants to whoop the shit out of some offensive tackles all week and, and really see if his stock can continue to climb. Number four, the New York Jets. This is a team that it it sounds like Mike McCagnon wants to spend big in free agency. There are going to be pass rushers available, but double dip. I I went with Ja'Kai Polite here. I think his ceiling is as high as anyone's as edge pass rushers in this class. I do think there's more risk there. There is a lower floor. The Jets have to take a risk at edge pass rush. He reminds me so much of Melvin Ingram. And the good and the bad, but a lot of the good, a guy that can bend explosive off the snap. He's more compact. I like Jakai polite. The jets have a lot of needs. This really pencils in one of them. Yeah, they really
0: do have a lot of needs, man. And, and like you said, they're probably going to spend. I'm curious to see if they spend at edge rusher, if they do go pay a Dante Fowler, a guy they actually tried to trade for back in the summer and just weren't able to get it done. And that would then free them up to make this pick. I say go back to what worked. You got Jamal Adams out of LSU. He turned out to be pretty damn good. I would go right back down there and select Greedy Williams at corner. Tremaine Johnson has been completely overrated and overpaid. Yeah. And I know they're stuck with that contract, so you hope he rebounds a little bit. But I, I see the the says Yes, they need an edge rusher badly. I would take that $100 million. I might go buy two of them. Instead of trying to draft one, because after Bosa and Allen, I don't know that I like a guy enough. I like Jai Kai Polite. You're going to hear his name a little bit later on for me. I would feel better about drafting a corner and paying a pass rusher. That's how I would handle this if I were Mike Mcagnan. And hope to God I could find a head coach because <sighs> oh, could I draft Lincoln Riley here instead? If possible, that's what I would do. But I think Greedy Williams fits what they want. Six two, six two, six three, maybe about a buck ninety. Uh, and has ball skills, has speed. He's a little skinny. You're going to have to fill him out some, but his ability is just through the roof. As a, sh- There's no such thing as a shutdown corner, but he at least makes you aware of his side of the field
1: all the time. Yeah, I, th- I would trade this first-round pick for Lincoln Riley if that was possible. <laughs> Let me just be honest with you there. Yeah. So, Number five across town or across New Jersey, the New York Giants. Man, listen, Giants fans, you don't have to reach on a quarterback here. You can go in. I, I know we've been really beating this like a dead horse, but you, you go get a Teddy Bridgewater or guy to really hold the fort down for a year, add talent here. And, and I, I love Matt's pick here and I would have made it too. If he was still on the board for me, I'm going to go with Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. If you're the giants here at a minimum, you're getting a very, very solid pass-protecting tackle. That's played on the right side of Alabama as a freshman and has played on the left side the last couple years here. He has all the traits in the world to be a very good guard or center as well. So if you're the Giants and an offensive lineman is staring you in the face that is going to hit at one position at least, whether it is tackle, guard, or center, you take him. And that's why if you're the Giants, you take Jonah Williams at five. Did you know I had him in there and changed his pick? Like, probably five minutes before we sat down, no. <laughs>
0: I had Jonah Williams in there, and then I was like, you know, man, they, they, they paid Nate Solder, and I know he hasn't been great, and like, maybe, maybe this front office would go a different route. I completely overthought the pick. I do like that a lot. I, I love Jonah Williams. I went with Ed Oliver here. I think after trading away Snacks Harrison, there is still a need for more good defensive linemen. And like you said with Ed Oliver a little bit earlier, he's someone who can play all over the defensive front. So if you want him to play outside as a more of a not an edge, but you know, an end-of-the-line defensive lineman, he can do that. I like BJ Hill. I like Dalvin Tomlinson as a nose. I think they have a need for another, whether you want to call it a five tech or a shade. Like they have a need for another player out on the edge. And and I agree, like I don't think he's Aaron Donald, but I think you can look at the usage of Aaron Donald and say, Okay, this actually works in a base 3-4. And then in nickel situations, so we're going to kick him inside where with his quickness, he might actually be unstoppable on the interior. So I don't like it when like we get too caught up in labels sometimes of like, oh, he's not 6-3 or 6-4. He can't be a 5 technique. Yes, he can. If he's quick enough and if he's sound enough technically, look at what Aaron Donald's doing. Ed Oliver definitely can fit in that role. And we give them more of a push You know, with he and Olivier Vernon on third down or anytime you know, you get into a sub package, that's pretty dangerous up front. So as much as I do love Jonah Williams here and God, they need help at everything but left tackle and left guard.
1: I I had to go with that, Oliver. And you look at the New York Giants Super Bowl teams. They were built on pass rush. A lot of the attention gets put to Eli Manning because of the MVPs. But those were teams that got after Tom Brady. And guess how you still beat Tom Brady? Pass rush. And they need a guy that can be the next Justin Tuck or whoever it may be. I'm not going to say Michael Strahan. That's a little unfair to anyone. But I totally get it for the New York Giants. All right. Flip the script here. Buffalo Bills. This guy is somehow still on the board for me, so I apologize (laughs) to him because he's too good to be available at six. Quinnen Williams. You know McDermott's a guy up there that's going to look at this and be like, wow, how did this guy fall into my lap? Our defense is already very good. You now you get an elite player up front. This is a no-brainer for Buffalo.
0: Yeah, um, you you nailed it. That is a no-brainer. Like, oh, how do we just draft the most badass guy in the in the class? He won't uh, be okay. there. <laughs> yeah, he won't be there. I'm gonna go with another Alabama Williams, who probably won't be there either. Jonah Williams. This is they need everything, and I want to officially apologize. I think it was a. Uh, Andy, ben, Andy Benoit, 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 is that how you say his name? I think it's Sports Illustrated. Okay. I'm not good with names. I want to apologize because in the preseason, he was watching film and I'm tweeting about it. And he was like, the Bills have the worst offensive line of football. And I, me being the cocky son of a bitch I am replied and was like, I don't know, man. Like the Cardinals are pretty bad. The, you know, this team is pretty bad. No, Andy was right. The Bills have the worst offensive line in of football, bar none. So I, I look at this like you have to address it. You got to give our guy, Josh Allen, a little bit of help up front. I, I know that like Deion Dawkins is solid. I think Jonah Williams could play right tackle. He did it at Alabama as a true freshman. I even think he could be a very good guard. And we've seen with guys like Zach Martin, with Quentin Nelson, who might be the fucking rookie of the year, like we've seen how important good guard play is. So. I don't want to overthink where Jonah Williams plays. It was kind of like you said. Just just draft him and, and get another good offensive lineman on the field because they so badly need that.
1: It's as simple as that. When you look at this Buffalo team, Josh, you got to keep Josh Allen healthy. He's your guy going forward. He's been banged up, and he's been banged up throughout his entire career, not just his pro career. So keep him healthy. Keep him upright. Love Jonah Williams there. Number seven, a team that has no fucking business being here, picking seventh overall. (laughs) My God, why are you picking seventh overall, Jacksonville Jaguars? This is disgusting. Interesting rumor this weekend, and guess what? I wasn't even surprised. When the rumor came out that they might look to trade Jalen Ramsey, I think there's been some friction between him and the coaching staff, between him and some teammates. And if you do move him, you're probably getting a number one back. And you you take Greedy Williams here. You replace him with another really good physical corner. Probably doesn't have the same mouth as Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) I mean, Greedy will talk his shit, but Jalen's on another level. I wouldn't be shocked if they do move him. I mean, Adam Schefter is a guy that does not miss very often. So for Jacksonville, if you somehow embarrassingly end up in the top 10, you are a much better football team than this. Greedy Williams at number seven overall. All
0: right, I want to ask you off off topic here. The Jets right now would have the number four pick in the draft. Would you trade that for Jalen Ramsey? I would not. Okay. Because <sighs> but you're not getting Nick Bosa, right? So like say yeah. it's like this where it's like you, would you trade the opportunity to draft Jaikai Kai or Greedy Williams for Jalen Ramsey? Who's proven? He's 24 years old. You got two more years under rookie wage control.
1: I don't think he would fit in that well with the team that Here's my thing, Matt, and people are going to think I'm insane for what I just said to you. I've been in New York my entire life. When things have gone bad in Jacksonville, I've been there too. Jalen Ramsey has erupted in the, with the media, in, with the locker room, and I get losing sucks, and everybody should be upset about it. Things go bad in New York, they get real bad. I'm talking everyone is out for you, every writer, reporter, It would blow up here. It would would simply blow up here if the Jets did not make the playoffs next year when he's here. You just you can't take that. I know he's super talented. I think the Jets are going to be picking in the top five. I think ultimately they need to find a way to trade back because you lost your second rounder in the Sam Darnold trade. You got to get that pick back. You need draft picks because you have so many needs. You're going to go spend money. I, I think the Jets are a team that that it just they're a rare case where that one would not work. Yeah, I just wanted I knew a lot of people were, were asking that. Man, so, you know, how many Jets fans are going to think I'm insane for saying it. I just think right. it could blow up here and it wouldn't blow up a lot of places. He's a great player, a great football player. And he's worth a number one overall and uh, worth a number uh, first round pick. I just think it could be really disastrous here. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you.
0: My pick for the Jags. I want Rashawn Gary. This is a team that, like you said, is embarrassing. They're drafting this early but they they do have some needs. I would love to give them a receiver. There's just not a receiver that I would draft in the top 10. I thought about going Noah Fant here to just give them some kind of help. Offensive line has been banged up. I thought about going there, but ultimately, maybe selfishly, I just want to see what he would be able to do in this defense because Rashawn Gary could play inside. He could play outside. He is kind of like gotten a little bit forgotten in this draft class, maybe because he's been hurt this year. Chase Winovich has probably overshadowed him a little bit. I know the Jags drafted Taven Bryan last year. Like, I I know that. I get it. But I would love to see Gary as almost more of a defensive end. And with Taven Bryan on the inside, with Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, like that, that's a pretty dangerous young defense. And for this team to be good again, number one, they need a, a different quarterback. But I think they have to get back to just being ass kickers on defense. And he would
1: help with that. I completely agree. What a spectacular athlete he's been, and when he's healthy and he's on, he could be a difference maker inside or outside. So, number eight, Tampa Bay Bucks. What a fascinating team this is going to be because I do think they tear things down here across the board. I think we'll see a new front office. I think we'll see a new, you know, new coaching staff, and uh, with that, they need. A, they're another team that needs more attitude, and they need that attitude in the secondary. I go with Byron Murphy from Washington. This is a corner that brings it every single Saturday when the Huskies play. He, he's 5'11". He's very wiry. He will, like Denzel Ward, he'll play above his size. He will yeah. come downhill and hit you. He will play the ball in the air very, very well. And he's really sticky corner. Tampa, you got to add a little more punch in the secondary. And that's why I think Murphy's a nice fit.
0: Yeah, I I like Murphy a lot. I think he's one of the the risers of this draft classic corner. And I I think you actually mentioned him on the Monday morning show as your guy who is uh, pushing up the board right now. Uh, I'm going to go secondary as well. And I think we both have pointed out, like this team passed on Derwin James last year and it took Vita Vea, And we haven't really seen yet what he can become, but God, they need help in the secondary. So I'm going to go with Alabama safety. Deontay Thompson can play over the top, a true center fielder. We've seen him come up and stick in the run game a little bit. I I do think he can cover from the slot fairly well. He is just a perfect center fielder. And this defense needs playmakers. They need someone that can hold that secondary together. I I think Thompson's going to have to fill out a little bit. He's a little lean, but his range is impressive. His instincts and intelligence are impressive. You can put 10 pounds on a guy with the NFL weight program, and I think that's what you'll have to do. But he's going to be a
1: very good player. Yeah, I'm with you. The range has been super impressive over the top, and I think there's been some instances of him coming downhill to to attack the run. So Thompson's a very fun player in a safety class that does leave a lot to be desired at times. Uh, Number nine, the Cleveland Browns progress here. Not number one for the Browns, not number four, number nine. I I think when all is said and done, I don't think this is a team that will be picking in the top 10. I think they got some wins left in the tank here in Cleveland. They need to get a little more speed at linebacker, and that's why I go with Devin White here. If Greg Williams hangs on and whoever the next head coach is wants him to stay as the D.C., they could very well go secondary again. He's a guy that will always bang the table for his corners, which is something I know you want to talk about soon, Matt. I go Devin White here just to add a little more speed up front as a linebacker. I think they have the defensive line to keep him clean to run around and make plays. Yeah, and you, you're probably moving
0: on from Jamie Collins, I would think. So, yeah. you know, with Joe Schober, with Christian Kirksey, now you have Devin White. That's a, a dangerous group up there. And and I actually like Jannard Avery. So that's why I went corner here. They hit on Denzel Ward. Let's just go ahead and call it like it is. They hit on that dude. You could hit again here. Trayvon Mullen, corner from Clemson. I, I feel like I say his name every show now. One of my favorite players in the class 6'2, 190 pounds. He has length, speed. Instincts. He has the perfect feet. I would love to see them take this secondary with Ward, Peppers, Damaris Randall. Now you plug in my guy Mullen to give you some size to offset Ward, who is a little bit smaller, but is very feisty. Now you have, I think, more of a complete back end. And this defense, holy shit, would be so amazing with the development we're seeing from Miles Garrett, Larry Ogan, Joby. You've got the young, athletic linebackers. You have a secondary now that could scare people. Like this team is a head coach away from the playoffs. If they hit on their first round pick this year,
1: I I completely agree. You go into a full season with Baker Mayfield under center. You probably need another receiver on the outside there. Nick Chubb is a very capable lead back. I think that's safe to say. So things are really trending up for the Browns and, and it's about time. So it's good for them. All right. Final pick of the mock draft. Number 10 Detroit lions, not the season they had hoped for as they take a step backwards under Matt Patricia who just can't stay out of his own way with the ridiculous things he says in press conferences, (laughs) but a team that clearly needs some pass rush help. Uh, I think when you look at Ziggy answer, I don't want to say the clock is ticking, but the regression is, uh, you know, there's the health concerns, the long-term contract concerns always with him. So let's get a little more punch up front. I went with your guy, Matt, Josh Allen here. This is a safe pick. This is a good fit and a guy that can make an instant impact in Detroit next year. Yeah, if your name's Josh Allen, I'm
0: going to like you in the draft. It's like, simple as It just as that. comes down to that, right? It's a short, compact name. It's easy for me to say. This one I get tripped up on all the time. Jaikai Polite, edge rusher out of Florida. You had him going number four overall. I have him dropping to 10. For me, that's just more where his value rests. Like you said, uh, he is like a Melvin Ingram dude. He's a little bit short, stout, but he uses that power in his lower body to really push off the edge you can see him bend you can see him dip that shoulder and accelerate Florida has been a little up and down during his time there but I look at him and how good their defense has been he is the catalyst for that he is what makes this thing go so for the Lions who you know Ziggy Ansa has just not been what they expected He can't stay healthy as they retool this team in kind of Matt Patricia's image I think Jaikai Polite is a great guy to start building that D-line with All right, we are back, and it's our favorite part of the show. It's draft on draft time. And just a reminder, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, Columbus, Ohio, we're going to record the podcast live. You can come by. We will hand you a microphone, and you can say, hey, this is Bill from Columbus, and I want to know where Dwayne Haskins is going in the draft. We're going to answer your question live. You get to hear your voice on the podcast and brag to all your friends that you got on the world's best college football and NFL draft podcast. So make sure you're out there uh, in the gray lots, where we will be partying. Just look for the huge RV trailer, fly in a bleach report and stick to football flag. We're going to be pretty hard to miss.
1: Oh yeah. It's going to be, I mean, that thing is a tank, the natty wagon that runs on the, Moscow mule yeah. fuel. Yeah. Oh, oh I it's it. going to be great. I blew the sales pitch. God, it's going to be a lot of fun. What else is also great. Your guys draft on draft questions. You know, we got to get through some of these, this first one from Scott Etheridge. I took this one because it's the harder name of the first two for Matt. So let's say instead of less miles, Nick Saban somehow got the Kansas job. How many years before they rank in the top 25? First off, I want to say Nick Saban <laughs> somehow got the Kansas job and uh, se- somehow took the Kansas job. I think would have yeah. been the best way. <laughs> it's so great. If they gave him
0: the entire state of Kansas.
1: <laughs> yeah, what would it take? Man, Um, I think their personnel is so bad right now that they would not be in the top 25 next year with Nick Saban, who is, I, I think it would be 2020 they would easily be in the top 25 because he'd have some freshmen there that would be already ready to take the field. And he's just, he's the best. It's as simple so, as that.
0: I think it would take a year because, like, you know, Nick Saban is going into every living room of every five star player in the country and saying, You could play for me right away. Like, you will start as a true freshman and we're going to turn this thing around. And and he's a good enough coach that they would do it. Like he he those kids would buy in. He could build a great staff, and he could he could get the players. So especially like the Kansas City area has players. I mean, and and can the University of Kansas is about what hour hour and a half outside of Kansas City. Like you can pull from that area, and and also like I mean, there's going to be enough under the table funding to to be able to, to look what the oh, yeah. basketball team up there is doing. Just you know, get a shoe company to give you. Couple million dollars to buy players, and it, it still works.
1: He so. would probably steal whoever their small forward is to come play tight end. Yeah, play tight end. Savage. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, get they'll have some Zion Williams looking dude out there playing tight end before you know it. So, uh, it would be, I would love to see it. Uh, next question from Stephen Shea. I love alliteration. Good job to your parents. Long time listener, first time caller. What do you think the Packers GM, Brian G? I'm not even gonna try to say his last name, should do in the upcoming draft to restock the roster? And what's your current evaluation of Kentucky edge, Josh Allen and his possible fit in the Packers defense. No wonder why you read this one, (laughs) right? Exactly. I love that fit. Like this is what they need. And I do believe that, that Brian is a different GM than what you guys had in the past with Ted Thompson, who was so conservative and like, didn't believe in drafting certain positions early. Even I I don't feel like there's going to be that loyalty to guys like Clay Matthews. I like Nick Perry. I think Kyler Fackrell is still an intriguing young guy, but Goddamn, Josh Allen would fit in here so well because of his length, his speed. And like we said earlier, he is ready to go. 6'5", 260. He can play in the NFC North where football is a little physical and not miss a step. The biggest question is, are the Packers going to get a, an early enough pick in order to draft him? Because the one you're getting from the Saints is probably going to be at 32. Yeah, So right. <laughs> your own pick right now is 14. You might have to trade them both to get someone like Josh Allen.
1: And I think they should. I think the Saints, the Packers should take that ammo that they got from the Saints and move up and get a pass rusher. And if, whether it's Cleland, whether it's Jakai, whether it's Josh Allen, go up and get one of these guys and, and get after it. So you got the ammo to do it. I, I think what were you seen from Gutkinst. guns There you go. I, yeah. I tried. Um, has been really good so far. I loved last year's draft. Yeah. So I, I think that's your strategy there. All right, this one from Sam Moore. Hey, NFL Draft Scout, is Patrick Mahomes already the best quarterback in Chiefs history? Oh, man.
0: That's tough. Like, if you say as a Chief, because like Joe Montana, you don't get credit for the 49er years, right? No, no, no. It has oh, to be man. Chiefs
1: Chiefs tenure. I don't know.
0: That's tough. No, not best. Most exciting.
1: Most talented. Yes.
0: Right. Yeah. Most talented for sure. Um, But no, I don't think you can say the best yet. He very well could be in a couple of years. But like Lynn Dawson is a Hall of Famer. I was just like, going to
1: say, Lynn Dawson is the guy that, that makes that one. Yeah.
0: And I know he's actually already breaking some of Lynn's records, but like you well. know, Trent Green was pretty good there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Alex Smith wasn't bad. I mean. Alex Smith, I, I feel like it's going to go down. as like one of the more underrated players uh, in chiefs history. Cause like everyone wanted him to be so much more than he is, but it, it, he was, he was solid there. So those would be the ones that like, I think you got to Dorsey and green, at least you got to overcome, but at the clip, he's going, Pat's going to have more yards than Lynn Dorsey in like three years. Yeah, so easily um, and more touchdowns career wise in like four years. So it, we just need to let it breathe a little bit, but he's well on his way to being one of the greats that we've ever seen in Kansas City, that's for sure.
1: And you can't forget Brody Croyle, uh, Tyler Thigpen. Right, right. Nick Foles was there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rich
0: Gannon was there for a couple of years. He Warren. never really played a whole lot, but he was there.
1: Yeah. I think Warren Moon was even there for like a, a day. He was. Uh, yeah. How about the great Chase
0: Daniel, who just threw for like 500 yards in his career and stole millions of dollars. They got some sneaky
1: fun ones on the chief's list. But yeah, Pat Mahomes, I think you can pen him into history pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, should be able to
1: next one up
0: from Jake Stilwell. Uh, And he asked a question that I didn't want you to read this because I don't want you to get in trouble, Connor. So I'm going to read it. That's great. He says you're a great fall guy. I am. I really am. Thanks, Chris Carter. (laughs) I know Colin Coward isn't always the most reliable source, but figured I'd see if you guys have heard anything similar or is he just blowing smoke out of his ass? And the tweet that he sent us was uh, Colin Coward said that he has a source who says Urban Meyer is going to retire after this year. Now, I don't know if if Coward has a source, but I think you can watch Urban Meyer bending over, holding his head in agony on the sidelines and be like, that dude's not long for this job. It's probably too stressful for him. He has some health issues, believable or not, in his past that you got to think about. But uh, I I think that it's maybe you can just connect the dots and see that one with all the crap that's happened there. And with him having some health issues, maybe you just assume this is the end of the run.
1: I think what is noteworthy here or what I believe is that Urban is considering walking away. I, I don't think that decision is made right now, Matt. And and I think if you're Ohio State, what scares you, and it's a historic great program, what scares you right now is you had a shoe-in, layup, alley-oop replacement in Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who, Ohio State was probably his dream job. Guess where Matt Campbell's going to be next year if I was putting my whatever's left of my bank account after the weekend on it? (laughs) He's going to be in the NFL. That's where Matt Campbell's going to be, or if he wants to be. Because the Browns are going to come calling. A lot of other teams are going to come calling to interview him. And, I mean, maybe he stays at Iowa State. That would surprise me, although he's he's been fantastic and loyal to there so far. But if Urban walks away, uh, is it Matt Rule? Is it – I mean, what direction do they go, I think, is the bigger question. And, and I do think there's legitimate smoke here that Urban could walk away for health reasons or stress reasons or – You know, sometimes it's just time. It's as simple as that. And we've seen him walk away before. So it wouldn't shock me. Um, This is the one from Kyle Underwood. Do any running backs find themselves into the first round of this year's draft? I think it would be a surprise. Like, it would
0: be... You know, last year we knew Saquon was going to go first. It would be a Rashad Penny type thing, right? Where we're like, oh God, I didn't see that coming. I I don't feel like Damian Harris, who is, he's probably my favorite running back in the draft class. I don't think he's a first rounder. I don't think David Montgomery is a first rounder. I definitely don't think Bryce Love is. Um, But, you know, some of these other guys, you're like, they would have to be a shock. It would have to be like, I was telling you, I was watching Daryl Henderson film this morning and I'm in no way advocating for him to be a first round pick. But it would have to be a, a situation like that where, a team just falls in love with a role and says, yeah. okay, well this guy can fill this role. We're going to draft him for it. But I haven't seen anyone that screams first round to me.
1: It would surprise me a lot. I think I like David Montgomery the best. I think he's going in the late second round, early third round as it stands right now. But after what we saw with Seattle last year, with shot Penny and I think Montgomery's a better player. Nothing really surprises you anymore, but are there any first round running backs? or graded first-round running backs in this class? Probably not. Uh, Will one go in the first round? Also probably not. I think Rodney Anderson's medicals are really big. But once again, all of these would really surprise me.
0: Yeah, they absolutely would, man. It's just, it's not that year. And maybe because we saw so many great ones come out last year and the year before that where guys are just coming out early now and, and we've fallen into this one year where this isn't a good year. But next year, we have Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. And like, there are so many good running backs in next year's class. This just happens to be a weird down year for it.
1: All right. This next one from at West Frederick, I believe is how we're going to pronounce that one. Assuming Herbert stays in school. Do you see the giants going after a veteran quarterback like Teddy, Jameis, Derek Carr, or punting the 2019 season in hopes of getting Tua from Herbert in 2020. So, What's really hard about that ladder strategy is you're not, if you're the New York Giants in New York in this market, you're not really allowed to punt a season after right. you just won five to seven games over the last two years. You're just not you're not allowed to do it. You won't survive here. But I don't think it's crazy because I don't if Justin Herbert goes back to school, they're not taking a quarterback in the first round. I don't even love him in the top five this year. I love Teddy there. I don't know if you get him. It's a wild card. I don't think this ownership would attach themselves to Jameis Winston as much as that uh, from a talent perspective does make sense. They won't attach themselves to him. And we don't know if Oakland is going to trade Derek Carr. So I do look to getting the stopgap and then going into the 2020 draft looking for your franchise guy. But you better be sure you can get Teddy Bridgewater if that's your plan. I think that's
0: tough. I actually had uh, after Eli was almost perfect against Tampa, uh, I had someone text me, not who worked. they don't work for the Giants, they work for another team, and they were like, watch this MFer have a run in the year I bet. that convinces them to bring him back for one more season. Oh, I would die. Right. But like you could totally see that happening, right? Where it's like he has, you know, the next eight weeks, like he plays really well or six weeks, how many ever, there are. Like he plays plays really well and doesn't have a lot of interceptions and they win some ball games and people would be like, wow, man, maybe he's not done yet. Because I know for sure the ownership and that front office is they are torn on how to handle his eventual exit, you know? And it's like, so any, like any chance that he's going to look good, they're going to latch onto. And I think that's where they're at right now. of like, they really don't want to let this guy walk on bad terms. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. As far as free agents go, this is a horrible free agent classic quarterback. And I mean, obviously, most teams like to hold on to their quarterbacks, but it really is like Teddy Bridgewater is known now as the guy who everyone's going to want, which guess what? That means he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to make 15, 16, 17 million dollars next year as a free agent. I don't know if the Giants are going to want to pay that for what would probably
1: be considered a stopgap type quarterback. Since Eli was told his job is on the line two weeks ago coming out of the bye week and their season is lost they're obviously not making the playoffs, he's completed over 73% of his passes, five, <laughs> five touchdowns, no interceptions. That's it's what h- he does. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And I don't care that it was against the Niners and Bucks who are both bad. It's so funny because he's been bad against bad teams, too. It's it's absolutely absurd. So if you're the Giants, you want to be losing right now, and you want to be done with this era. I get the at some point you have to lose. Yes, yes, everyone does. I mean, Bill Belichick thought about getting moving on from Tom Brady a year ago. This is like how the NFL works. Whether you agree with that or not, at some point you got to move on and look towards the future. So, all right, this one from at Blash eighty four. Where do you guys see Jaquan Johnson going in the draft? Yeah, I actually wrote about
0: him this morning. So as you're listening to this, if you open your Bleach Report app, uh, there's an article in there for me about the sleepers of this draft. And I think he is one at safety. He's a little bit undersized, and that's going to hurt him because he doesn't have, you know, he's 5'11", 200 pounds. I don't know that he runs super well. But as a free safety prospect, I love how tough he is, man. He is not afraid to hit people. He'll stick tight ends and receivers over the middle. He could play in coverage enough for me. I have him right now is like a, an early round three type player. I want to see him immobile at the senior bowl. That's going to be super important to see the type of range that he has over the top and then to watch him matched up with receivers and tight ends in man-to-man coverage to see if his size is a limitation at all. But I, I really like watching him play. I think he's one of my favorite guys to actually just like sit and watch. And it's not a great safety class. I think he's the fourth or fifth safety on my board. So There's also, you know, teams are going to have a need for a guy like him that can, you know, be a third safety, could play special teams. Like, he's probably going to be a lot like Armani Watts was for me last year and ended up being one of my favorite guys in the class.
1: Yeah. It it is really an interesting safety class because you have, you know, um, the Florida safety, Chauncey um, Uh, Gardner Johnson, who might be a corner. Who's, yeah, probably a slot corner, right? I mean, that's how he looks like he projects to the next level. I really like Taylor Rapp, but he's a guy that lives. Coming downhill, I think, at the next level. So uh, there's a lot of interesting ways this is going to fall. And when you look at Deontay Thompson, he just seems to be ahead of the pack there. Um, All right. This one from Steven Majors I'm a diehard Washington fan, and I want to know what would be an ideal 2019 draft for them. By the way, love the podcast. Man, what a. I mean, you look at the injury to Alex Smith this weekend. This is a team that I had said was in the driver's seat to win the division, and they actually drafted very well last year. They did, man. Like that team is is not as bad as like you your
0: perception of them might be. Right? But I think the injury to Alex Smith and the fact that he's an older quarterback makes it to where you you pivot and you you have to start looking at quarterbacks. I think Daniel Jones from Duke is a perfect fit here. David Cutcliffe is a one of the best quarterback coaches in college football. He's the head coach at Duke. He's going to allow for a seamless transition into that Jay Gruden scheme. I I love the fit there, and I think he probably is on the board if you're picking in the late teens, early 20s, depending on what happens over the next couple months of the the quarterback process. But, you know, originally I thought this was a team where you could get an inside linebacker like a Mac Wilson from Alabama. Maybe you get another corner. Byron Murphy was one that came to mind, DeAndre Baker. But now I I think you have to go into this year all in on a quarterback because we have no idea when Alex Smith is going to play again coming off this horrible injury And you have to remember, like, he is 34 years old already. And that might not, I hope that doesn't sound old because I'm older than that. But, like, as an athlete, at 34, you have a gruesome leg injury with a couple bone breaks.
1: I don't know how well you come back from that, dude. Uh, What's his incentive to come back? I know as a competitor, there's incentive to come back. and, And he has $71 million guaranteed from injury in that contract. But, man, that's, you might not be the same anymore after that kind of break. It's that significant. So, For Washington, you you know, you look forward to Darius Geis hopefully coming back strong next year and you start building a young core and I I side with Matt. This isn't a great quarterback class, but maybe you try to find a value one in this, especially where you're picking in the draft. So uh, the second to last one here from Tanner Williams. Should Matt Nagy be considered a coach of the year candidate? Man, we're gloating all day on the podcast today. I, uh, <laughs> Aren't we? I mean, him, like, Frank, Reich. Oh, baby. Uh, it's, you know, and, and obviously the big dogs. You look at Andy Reid, you look at Sean McVay, you look at Sean Payton. Sean Payton, yeah. It, it, I think Sean Payton kind of has I mean, him and McVay, right? It's that's the the top of this list. Yeah. I, I think it is. I really do. But I would love to get Neggy in there like at, at a
0: minimum. Let's talk about how great of a job he's done. You know, the Bears are they're they're starting to pull away from that division a little bit. It's it's because of how well he has this offense rolling, man, with getting guys involved. They pulled Adam Shaheen in off the IR and threw a two-point conversion to him. It was like, oh, we forgot this guy was on the team. Oh, here we go. And they have a two-game lead in that division and just beat the Vikings. The defense is playing great. The offense is playing so much better than people realize. And, And Mitch Trubisky, I know Missed a couple of throws on on Sunday night. He is still a, a very very impressive young quarterback. I love the way they're using
1: him on the ground too. I think what Nagy has done coming in there, and you go out and you get Khalil Mack to take some pressure off of him, right? Because the defense yeah, helps when you get Khalil Mack. It's like okay, well, our defense is our defense. Like these kind of this guy's gonna pin his ears back and and just absolutely open things up for us. But the development of Trubisky, the use of Tariq Cohen. I mean, yeah. he deserves a lot of credit for that when you look at what this offense has gotten out of the players already there that he didn't necessarily acquire. So I'm with you. He he needs to be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question for our buddy, Patrick Chamberlain. He sent this one in uh, on the stick to football Reddit channel (laughs) based upon Monday's controversial (laughs) Twitter food takes from both Matt and Connor. And he puts in parentheses, you guys know what you said. I'm gonna need you guys to list your top desserts and top pizza toppings. For the record, I vehemently dispute Connor's negativity toward pumpkin pie. And although it's far down my list of favorites, I can tolerate pineapple as a pizza topping if also accompanied by ham. This is the real shit people listen to this podcast for.
1: hundred percent. Pie. Wait, what pump, you? Pumpkin beer pie rankings? is not good. It's okay, not. I, it's not a good dessert. Okay. Uh cheesecake is a tier one dessert. Okay. That's like Cheesecake's when you, good. Cheesecake's delicious. There's variety with the kind of cheesecake you could have, but cheesecake as its standard form is a tier one dessert. Pumpkin, but the question was from Andy Carlson on Twitter who covers the Vikings. He said, Should pumpkin pie be a year round thing? And I responded that there are not enough trash cans in the world to withstand it being a year round thing because pumpkin pie stinks. <laughs> It's not good. Oh, man. So I actually like I will
0: eat it. Um, but we had my girlfriend's family's Thanksgiving last weekend. I didn't eat any of it because it's like oh, I, didn't, I didn't want any. You're not you excited know, but, about
1: it. Just the tone right. of
0: your voice just said, I will eat it. Like my mom makes this one for me, though, because she knows like she'll put <laughs> walnuts in it. Okay. and I'll eat it with, like, a scoop of vanilla ice cream. That's that different. helps. It's different. But it's more like a delivery mechanism for ice cream and walnuts. That's I could probably st- just get some walnuts and put it on ice cream and like it as much. That's a souped-up pumpkin pie. That's like getting— Oh, out- I ain't eating that straight. Like, I'm not going to the store buying a pumpkin pie and eating that thing. Totally. That's disgusting. And the tier I
1: desserts, I think I was a little hard on pie because there are good pies. But I think cobbler, cheesecake, banana pudding— you're not wrong. Those are upper-level desserts when done right, and, and pie is solid. Pumpkin pie is not it. It's not it at all. Now, as for the pizza toppings, it's pepperoni, and I just—I can't believe my co-host <laughs> likes pineapple on his—the ham thing is a fucking disgrace that— I don't eat ham, I love, so— I love Patrick Chamberlain. He's one of my favorite listeners. You don't put ham on pizza— the pineapple, I get the sweet and, and mixing it, but pizza in its whole form is, is fine as it is. You don't need to add the pineapple to it. So
0: I like pineapple with pepperoni. But I also would throw like jalapenos, banana peppers, black I'll eat olives.
1: Plate. Yeah, I'll eat a bowl of all that stuff. Just don't yeah. put it on my pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're such a New Yorker. I know, uh, I'm really, I'm really so
1: stubborn and arrogant.
0: On the dessert thing, though, like I'm I don't like dessert usually. Like, I Same. don't like cake. Yeah, cakes are overrated. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm good. Like, people are like, oh, cupcakes. I'm not going to pay $10 to eat a fucking cupcake. Like, there's no way. Uh, I don't know why, like, around here that became, like, a popular date thing.
1: We had, like, upscale cupcake places. That has really picked up over the years. I don't
0: know. I'm not doing that. They do, like,
1: crazy things with the cupcakes. I think brownies are a very underrated dessert. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. Because it's so simple that people don't put it in the class – of the cheesecake and banana puddings but brownies are very underrated. I think Friday night when we have
0: group dinner before the tailgate we should just order every dessert on the menu and, yes. and just try it and just let's, let's power rank this stuff at dinner. Uh, I'm excited to do that. That'd be a lot it's of fun. It's going to be awesome.
1: I, I, just, All right, that, oof, I just leave pie on the table.
0: It's I, I think what we do though, Connor we need to have people tweet us or leave it as your iTunes review yes. this week. Five stars please. What is your most controversial food take? Or like with Pat or Mahomes, your it's ketchup, oh, you know? With us, it's I will put pineapple on a pizza. You don't like pie. Like these are controversial takes that we need to hear from the people about.